The following is a presentation of the Six Arrows Radio Network. Ham Radio 360 Podcast, episode number 84. This time we're joined by Don Keith, amateur radio operator and author. It's a lot of fun. Make sure you stick around. MTCRadio.com presents Ham Radio 360, the podcast. Brought to you by Ellacraft. Now, here's your host, Kel Nelson, K4CDN. And it is the Ham Radio 360 podcast. We do it every other week here on the feed. Thank you so much for choosing to spend some time with us. My name is Kel Nelson. The call again is Kilo 4, Charlie, Delta, November. I've been licensed since 2011, been podcasting about amateur radio since 2014, and we welcome you into the program. Have a couple of different programs here under the umbrella, if you will. We have the this program, the Ham Radio 360 podcast, which is a conversational-type show every other Tuesday. Uh, the other Tuesday is our Workbench show. And those guys have been a little bit over a year now together. It's George and Jeremy. Deep technical conversations about making, building, and whatnot regarding the amateur radio hobby. The Thursday following this show, so in like two days from now, we release the Field Radio Podcast with our buddy John. John's been out of the gate a couple of episodes now, releasing some great content. So if you're interested in getting your amateur radio gear out of the shack. Now, it doesn't mean that you're putting it all in a backpack and you're trying to figure out how lightweight you can make it because you're going to hike for 73 miles and camp in the middle of a desert and want to operate amateur. No, 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 no. This is some of that, yes, but it's not all of that. That's not all that it is. It's field radio, so it's radio out of your shack. It's outside of your shack, whether it's Aries, soda activations, whatever you're looking to do away from your home base, that's the Field Radio Podcast. Those happen the Thursday following this show, so there's a couple of different things going on, and again, we invite you to participate, listen, check out all that we're doing, and you can find all the information on everything we talk about in today's episode, as well as the Workbench and the Field Radio Show at hamradio360.com. Just the other day, Richard sent me an email, and he posted it on Facebook, and he said, hey, I've got a discount code for your Ham Radio 360 listeners. Now, that has expired, unfortunately. Uh, it just reached over the weekend, but hope that you guys had the opportunity to take advantage of that, even without the codes. I've got to tell you, uh, main trading company, best prices on the internet, best prices on the planet. If you're looking for something, say maybe you need a microphone, maybe you need some programming software, coaxial cable connectors, whatever, maybe you want a new ICOM rig, check out main trading company at mtcradio.com icom stuff always there always the best prices call richard you find it somewhere else for a little bit less or something like that let him know he'll make up the difference he wants your business and you can find him at mtcradio.com don of course you're probably like the rest of us you probably got into electronics back when you were a kid and fooled with some walkie-talkies or something maybe even CB and got into the radio but but how did the how did you wind up in amateur radio I was blessed my dad was the first television repairman in our part of the state around Alabama so he had a shop he had electronic equipment he had tubes and capacitors and resistors and all that sort of thing so I would hang out with him out there plus he had a little shortwave receiver and uh, I used to try to hear things on that. He called me down one day and said, Don, you got to come hear this. And it was Sputnik. Whoa. He was listening to Sputnik on that old receiver. But I was always fascinated by the magic of being able to hear 
a radio station in uh, Dallas or Cincinnati or Chicago in my little town in rural Alabama. It, 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 we use the, the term magic probably too much, but it, it is. It's magical to a lot of us. Yeah, it is. And, you know, you know I, I think that you, you said it well there. We may use it too often, but for us that, that love it, whether it's amateur radio, shortwave radio, scanners, or whatever we're listening to, that it's still magic to us whether it's magic to anyone else or not. It absolutely is, and I think we may need to get away from that just a little bit because just being able to talk a long distance uh, without having to pay money is not such a big deal anymore since we all have a transceiver on our belts called a smartphone that we can do any, anything we want to with it. So that magic of being able to just pick up the phone and talk to somebody or being able to talk to somebody over the horizon is not such a big deal necessarily anymore. But I think once we get past that, we can still convince people that there are magical things about our hobby, things that will uh, draw them in just like it did you and me. Yeah. And, and that's one of the things, guys, Don is an author. Um, if you haven't figured that out yet, we'll be talking about that uh, throughout the program here. But you've recently written a book about the magic of ham radio. Uh, tell us a little bit about your most recent project. Give us the title. Tell us where we can find it. And uh, give us a little bit, little inside, because I've been reading it, by the way, about your new book. Yeah, the book is called Dial Dancing. And I came up with that title because I just wanted to capture the serendipity of, of our hobby and what it's all about. And... In order to do that, I wanted to use some short stories, some fiction, uh, so I could incorporate some characters, some good, some not so good. <laughs> but I also included a subtitle, and people are already giving me grief about this because I have to pull out a copy of the book and read the title myself. <laughs> Dial Dancing, Tales of the Fascinating, Fabulous, Frequency Hopping, Wavelength Walking, Power Punching, Ionosphere Scorching, Ditting and Dying, Digital dabbling and glorious globe-spanning wide and wonderful world of amateur radio. In other words, I tried to cover all the bases just just in the subtitle. I don't think you missed any. <laughs> I hope not. But this is actually my, depending on how you count them, this is either my third or fourth book on ham radio. I published 34 books as of now on a wide range of subjects. I, when I started writing, I decided I wanted to write about things that I enjoyed reading about. Mm. And hopefully there are enough people out there that share the same interests I do that I'll be able to make a living at this. I haven't made a real good living, but I, <laughs> I still sell a few books along the way. Excellent. Excellent. And your new book just released, The Dial Dancing, just released in the last week or so. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. It just uh, just showed up. Uh, and it's available, by the way, wherever books are sold. It's available in paper. It's also available, for those of you who still read books on paper and it's also in every conceivable ebook format too excellent well i had to pick up the ebook because i wanted to have some experience with it before we got here together on the interview and uh although amazon is very rapid with their shipping uh it's hard to beat pressing a button and there it is so uh i've enjoyed it so far and and i'll tell you the first story really caught me i loved it uh i don't want to spill the beans out on the table but that was a great one and and being a kid that was born just after that time it was really neat to see how uh, how you put those things together. So two well, things. Well, yeah, and I, that particular story I kind of hesitated to lead off with because it is a younger ham using some fairly old equipment, and the uh, the story takes place. Uh, 
quite a few decades ago, but it still captured that magic of you never know who you're going to talk to on the other end of that circuit. And to me, that's the most amazing thing. Yep, you can pick up a, a cell phone and you can dial a number at random, and most likely you're not going to get an answer. But if you do, try to find some common ground with that person. You're not going to be able to do it. They're going to hang up on you real quick. <laughs> but with ham radio, first of all, we're not even, even with a cell phone, you're still using wires somewhere. But with ham radio, you're using uh, electromagnetic waves emanating from an antenna that maybe you put up in the trees yourself using a station that you put together. And whoever you talk to, you instantly have some common ground with, and you're able to strike up a conversation. I saw an article today, uh, it was a couple of days old from Hackaday, and it was talking about, is amateur radio too boring? Has it gotten to the point where it's too boring? And then we've, uh, I've also seen headlines about the league thinking about a, a lower class license to try to get new blood into the, uh, to the fold. And everybody's got an opinion on all of these things. For me personally, it was something I always wanted to do. Uh, when I got old enough and, and figured out there was no Morse code requirement anymore, I went ahead and, and took the step. But I've got a friend of mine. His name's Chris. Chris was licensed back in the fall, the winter of last year. And, yeah, the, of last year. Anyway, Chris is uh, Chris is still, he's 40-some-odd years old. He's really excited about the amateur radio hobby. And all he's got is, he's, he's got his technician license. He has a uh, a little cheap handy talkie and a really nice mobile radio. But past that, he, he doesn't have the gear yet. He's not on the air all over the world. But to him, it's still magic. So I would say to those people that say it's too old, it's too boring, it's not any fun, we need a lower-class license, I would challenge a lot of those folks uh, just with the, the environment that we've created here at this podcast and just as your stories tell there in your book that there's still a lot of fun to be had out there. Exactly. And if the hobby is boring to you, either one of two things. The hobby is not for you in the first place. And I will be the first to say this hobby is not for everybody. Yeah. I just want to make sure everybody who will capture that magic and who will realize how, how great the hobby is, is aware of everything that it has to offer. And secondly, if the hobby is boring to you, you're not trying. <laughs> you're, you're just not aware of what all the hobby offers. Uh, I, I've done just about everything you can do in the hobby, and maybe I get bored with one aspect, but bingo, there's another one that just captures my imagination instantly. Whether it's digital modes or operating from a campground somewhere or putting an island or a summit or a lighthouse on the air or just going down to the park and operating and letting folks stop by and say, what's that? And, and then explain it to them. The, to me, that, that keeps the hobby fresh after 56 years of being wow. a licensed hand. Wow. Well, I haven't been around that long. I mean, I've been licensed that long, but uh, that's that's quite quite a not necessarily unique perspective, but it's one that I, I think a lot of people want to try to aspire to. Uh, for instance, I was at a family reunion for my wife, her side of the family in Pennsylvania a few weeks ago, and, and I got bored, of course, and uh, I got the Elecraft KX2 out and put the uh, Chameleon Loop together and got a little got a little crowd of people around me. Although I never made a contact, they were all interested. First, what were you doing? And secondly, people still do that. So it was a great opportunity to share amateur radio. And, and maybe, you know, these people know me, okay? So I'm not some stranger that they've never talked to, but they may be curious about this thing. It, w it was pretty cool. And I don't know that uh, any of them will get a license, but they, they did have a genuine interest. And I think that just by displaying that in front of them and remembering it's not just for us, it's still a service, of course, 
but but getting out there and sharing this thing, it's not that hard to do, whether you're writing books about it, sitting in a park, or creating YouTube videos. Exactly. And I, I, I think a lot of people are, are still under the impression, and it's all our faults for not sharing more of the hobby with more people, that it's a bunch of big, clunky, spark-spitting equipment in the basement with some crazy guy messing up television sets around the neighborhood. And today's ham radio is not like that at all. The hobby has evolved. It continues to evolve. It's very dynamic. Yeah. It's very diverse. There are just so many things you can do. And being able to pull out that little KX2 at a, a fairly simple loop antenna is and get on the air from anywhere. Uh, battery technology is such now that you don't necessarily have to have AC and uh, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Plus, the radios themselves aren't power hogs like they once were. And it amazes them when you're able to get on with 10 watts and uh, a simple little antenna and talk to folks around the country. That that still will capture a lot of people's imagination. And it, and it can be something as simple as just the, uh, just the repeater conversation. As I was driving to Pennsylvania... Actually, Carla was driving my wife, and uh, I, I was getting close to where the uh, the jamboree was happening, and I, I had the uh, repeater for the jamboree programmed into the handy talkie, and I said, you know what, I'm going to call them just to see if they can hear me. And the next thing you know, any 4RD, uh, Bill from the Linux and the Ham Shack podcast, he's been on this show before as well, he comes back on the repeater. He's kind of freaked out that, he, that I'm talking to him. He's talking to me because I'm supposed to be in South Carolina. Of course, that repeater would be a stretch, but it was still just into that. It was really cool. And uh, you just, like you said, you never know who's going to be on the other end. And uh, that was very, very, you know, very odd to have that contact and to make that contact. But it was very cool nonetheless. Well, I'll be the first to admit that the one thing that I love most about the hobby is the conversation, the, the people that you meet. I've enjoyed talking with you already. I would not have met you had it, had it not been for this hobby, most likely. But I'll, in the mornings when I'm walking for exercise, I carry a little HT with me and get on the repeaters and talk to the guys who are going to work and that kind of thing. But I was on one day talking with a friend who was a World War II history buff. And I write a lot of books about World War II history and submarines and aircraft carriers and that sort of thing. So we were having a pretty good conversation. Before you know it, we had four or five guys break in, including one who was a World War II veteran. <laughs> and he was telling about his experiences in Europe during the war. And here's just this little roundtable on a subject that has nothing to do with propagation or contesting or radio, but just the most fascinating people in the world are there. And that's one of the things I tried to capture in that first story and some of the other stories in Dial Dancing. Yeah, yeah. It's a great book, guys. I want to encourage you to check it out. We'll have a link to it, of course, in the show notes. We're talking with Don Keith. His call is November 4, Kilo Charlie. Now, that's kind of like almost my call, but if I said it with dyslexia, which I do quite often, but uh, it's it's there, and we'll be back in just a moment. We're talking with Don here on the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Well, it was a sad day on the farm just last week. The Ellacraft KX2 went back into the box, the shipping container, and it exited the state of South Carolina, heading back to Ellacraft. Thank you very much to my friends at Ellacraft for the opportunity to have the gear here with me. Listen, I'm telling you, I've never seen something quite so small and so fantastic unto itself as the Ellacraft KX2. Uh, I don't really know what else to tell you other than if you want to operate portable away from your house, if you want to get out in the field, the picnic table to set up with a portable antenna, the Ellacraft KX2 is the rig to investigate. It's a beautifully created rig, as well as has some of the best ears of anything I've ever used. So check them out, ellacraft.com. It's hands-on ham radio. 
We're back with Don Keith, November 4 Kilo Charlie. And Don, thanks again for being here with us. We have enjoyed having you so far and, and look forward to continuing uh, learning more about you and what you're doing in the amateur radio hobby. It's absolutely my pleasure, Kale. And let me say very quickly, uh, as an old broadcaster, how much I appreciate y- your style and the quality of this podcast. I was a fan for a while before I you, you extended the invitation for him to be on, but great job. I really enjoy it. Well, thank you very much. I, I really appreciate that. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. I have uh, been reading some of your new book, Dial Dancing. I won't even try to get to the subtitle there, but uh, it, it's a great thing for me to think about. Uh, for instance, my, I've got four or five children. I've got two that are studying, one that's supposed to test in just a couple of weeks. I'm not sure if he's going to be ready yet. Uh, this is a book that I could hand to him and potentially give him some further ideas. Now, granted, his dad's a ham geek kind of guy, so he's kind of around it. But I think giving him the opportunity to read about some of the possibilities, even though it's a fictional story, uh, gives him the chance to maybe be even more enticed to study harder, to get the tech and get on the air. That's exactly who I was writing the book for. Um, and to package this in such a way that it was entertaining, it, they, there are characters, there are heroes, there are villains, just like any uh, good story, and I hope these are good stories. But I wanted to make them entertaining, but at the same time to demonstrate the diversity and the, the how, how dynamic the hobby continues to be as it grows, and, and just some of the interesting folks that are, are attracted to the hobby. I, uh, I mentioned in the first segment I've actually done – Two and a half books on ham radio, and I'll explain that in a second. The, the first one was just to uh, overcome that argument of ham radio is passe. It's, it's, it's no longer uh, vital, and it, it, it's just old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. And that book is called uh, Riding the Shortwaves, Exploring the Magic of Amateur Radio. And uh, there's that, that word <laughs> magic again. And it hit a nerve. The book has done very well, and I continue to get a lot of email from folks who say, you know what, you gave me the answer to that question when somebody asked me, why do you still fool with that ham radio stuff? And I followed that up. I did a lot of research. I kept running into people. I'm an old research guy, too. I spent a lot of years doing uh, consumer research and broadcast uh, audience research. I I kept running into people who had gotten uh, a license and never got on the air with it or just very limited experience or so many people who said, you know what? I got interested in that and I studied for the license, but I never took the test. I just never got any, any deeper. What was keeping people from going deeper into the hobby and getting a good experience when they did get a license? And I found basically four or five things that just kept popping up. One is just the, the natural fear of putting together a station and how expensive it's going to be and where where in the house am I going to put that thing. Secondly is an antenna. Uh, those of us who are blessed with a tree or two can't imagine what it's like not to even have uh, uh, anything to hang an antenna from. How do you get on the air? And that's a big obstacle for a lot of people to overcome. So with those two things right there, what do most people do? They go out and get the cheapest uh, handy talkie, HT, uh, walkie-talkie, two-meter radio kind of thing that they can get because it's it's a complete station built in. But it's uh, five watts. It's got a, a rubber ducky antenna. You can't hit the repeaters with it. You try to get in the car and nobody can hear you. This hobby is not worth fooling with so they throw the thing in the closet and forget about it well that's why i try to push people to experiment deeper 
to put up a little better antenna to use, even if it is with an HT, and to start migrating toward HF and all the other aspects of the hobby that are out there. But the other couple of things, the, the jargon, what am I going to say and what am I going to do once I get on the air? The jargon scares a lot of people. Uh, maybe they've heard it on a scanner or they get the HT and they hear guys talking and they can't figure out what they're saying. And that uh, makes them hesitant to go ahead and push the button and start talking. So I included in that book, which is called Get on the Air Now, uh, a 1,600-term uh, ham radio dictionary that wow. nobody had ever done before. Uh, 1,600 terms, close to 2,000 definitions, and about 500 uh, web links where you can go learn more if you really want to. And I decided to go ahead and take that dictionary and publish it separately in a small format paper and uh, ebook, so that people can have it right next to the radio or in the glove box in the car or on uh, their iPhone or whatever so they can look up a term when they hear it. So the ham radio, the amateur radio dictionary is out there as well. So you can count that as four books, I guess. <laughs> you, know, you know, I think that you and I have a lot in common, uh, both having had a background in some broadcasting. So talking to people for us is not a big deal. I mean, it's really not. But, but I know, guys, I have friends of mine who are licensed, and they don't like to talk on the radio. I, that's so foreign to me. And it doesn't mean that we're, you know, smarter, better, whatever. It's just a personality thing, and I get it. But for me, man, I could not wait. When, when I found my call sign in the ULS, I was in Atlanta, Georgia. I had attended the Dove Awards the night before. I got up, checked the ULS. There it was. But I had uh, no frequencies for the Atlanta area programmed into my brand-new walkie-talkie that I really didn't know how to use yet. So I had to drive all the way back to Spartanburg. Uh, and as soon as I could ping the repeater, I was calling and trying to talk to people and have been ever since. My wife tells me I talk too much, and I'm sorry. But it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that, for me, it's kind of weird that you wouldn't want to talk after you've put the, put the effort into it. But I can kind of get the idea that people would be um, maybe kind of put off or maybe afraid they would say the wrong thing, sound stupid, you know. But, but I remember being a brand-new ham and calling, giving my call sign, new ham with a radio check, and, and getting clobbered on the air for people wanting to talk to me. And I'm the same way. If I hear that, man, I'll fight you for the microphone to be the first person that guy talks to. Um, is there something that in, in your research and your time in the hobby, is there a way that we as amateur radio operators can be more accommodating to new hams to, even if they're afraid to kind of talk them into getting on the air and talking? Well, you'll see in my books, uh, I use the term curmudgeon <laughs> and that's an old time ham radio operator who hears a newcomer on the air. And the first thing he does is get on and tell them, first of all, you don't deserve to be a ham because you didn't have to take the code test <laughs> and you, you didn't have to draw a diagram of a coal pits oscillator when you took the test. So, you know, you're not a real, ham. well, I think people are, are, are wary that they're going to run into somebody like that on the air. I go ahead and put them right into the stories because I want people to see th those folks have some redeeming values too but yeah. i i know exactly what you're talking about because i know a lot of hams who very rarely pick up a microphone or a key or a keyboard uh, some of it is just because they don't really enjoy that aspect of the hobby they want to experiment and uh listen and that kind of, and that's great i think you ought to do exactly what you want to do in the hobby but a lot of it is just a, a little fear of what am I going to talk about? What am I going to say to this guy? Once I tell him he's 5'9 and uh, <laughs> what my radio is and what my name is, uh, 
what do we talk about beyond that? The weather, uh, our health, who knows? <laughs> well, it, it, one of the wonderful things about this hobby, and this is something I emphasize, especially to potential young hams, is you will develop the ability to communicate much better through your ham radio hobby. You'll learn how to draw out the guy on the other end of that circuit or the other guys in the round table and, and find out what's on their minds and what their interests are. And before you know it, you've talked for an hour and a half or two hours and you've, <laughs> you've learned a lot about the other people. And, hey, it's time to shut the radio off, but I don't want to because this is really an interesting conversation. You become a conversationalist, but you're also becoming a better communicator. And if you think communicating won't help you for the rest of your life, regardless of what your career is, uh, you're missing the boat. Yeah. Yeah. You have to at least be able to say, uh, I need to go to the restroom. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, as, as, as ignorant as that sounds as small, as tiny as that sounds. I mean, I have a lot of, I have a lot of kids, I have a lot of nieces and nephews. I have some that can talk and carry a conversation with any adult and, and challenge, you know, an adult. And I have other nieces and nephews that really can't carry a conversation in a bucket with a lid on it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's really sad. Uh, to see that, of course, being a talker, being someone, I guess I was introverted until I was about seventh grade and something happened. I, I think when I, I got rid of my glasses and got contacts, I, I something changed. But anyway, I haven't stopped talking since. But but I get you when you say that some people don't want to do that. They're just not that person. They have no desire to talk to uh, to Jimmy over there on the corner about his diabetes. I get it. I totally get it. But uh, there is so much more to amateur radio than just that. And like, exactly. you, like you said, the guy that gets the handy talkie and listens a little while and is like, oh, this is just boring. He Maybe he hasn't seen what what's out there on HF or even in UHF and VHF with, say, like the, the, uh, the International Space Station a few weeks ago. We talked about it, uh, sending pictures down and people receiving those. That was pretty cool. I've gotten calls uh-huh. on that saying, Kel, why didn't you tell us about that? Why didn't you tell us that was happening? And I'm like, well, I didn't even know. So. <laughs> And you know what? It's not that difficult, and it's not that I'm good necessarily at drawing people out, although I was a newsman, and I've interviewed hundreds of people and hundreds of artists and that, that kind of thing. But uh, you know, you're talking to Jimmy, and he's talking about his diabetes on the air, and you, you might want, Jimmy, what did you do before you retired? What sort of, what was your line of work? You, Jimmy tells you, you, you never know where that's going to take yeah. you. Or, you know, do you have kids, grandkids? What do they do? Uh, any of them interested in ham radio? Or then, then suddenly you're carrying on a conversation and you're finding out about somebody. And I say this all the time and people doubt me. I have never had a boring conversation on the air. Never. It's not that I'm so good at conversation. It's just that People, once you let them know that you, you really are interested in them, they'll start talking back and, and feeding you things. I keep notes, and I, I'll refer to those notes. And inevitably, there's something that that person does that is of interest to me, and we carry on a good conversation. And that's why it's hard for me to understand why somebody would let their license lapse because they don't know what to say or what to talk about or what to do. Uh, what can I do in the hobby besides just talk? We all have our talents. I, it just happens that I Morse code is easy for me, and I love the code, and I can copy 35 words a minute and really enjoy it. I could not sit down and build a transmitter from scratch. I don't know how to do that. That's not my talent. It's not really my big interest. Uh, I'm, I like some of the technology and the technical side, but that's that's not the, the primary thing. I, I just enjoy the communication. So... That 
is what I really enjoy doing is drawing people out on the air and finding out what interests them. And I'm always amazed that some of that interests me too. We've got to take a break, but I want you to talk to me if you can stick around a little bit about CW, because of course, now that nobody has to do it, there seems to be at least a perceived resurgence in people wanting to do it. Can you, can you spend a few more minutes with us? Da, 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 did it, it. I think he said yes. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. I love the workbench shows where they talk about what they're doing, right? You know, what's on your workbench and what's happening over here. And it's kind of funny because Jeremy got hung up in this last program. He he has all these things. He's like all of us and George, too. We, we have all these projects we want to do, and things kind of pull us in. They, like, grab hold of us by the neck, and they won't let us go. And, and Jeremy was describing his time he's been spending with his SDR stuff, his Air Spy, Spy Verter, and whatnot, over on the workbench show. Airspy.us is the place to go to pick up the highest quality quality gear that you can get regarding software defined monitoring radio my buddy gerald out in the field got a crazy cool job what is he using he's using the air spy minis and the air spy bird just check them out airspy.us tell joe you heard about him here on the ham radio 360 podcast again it's airspy.us we're back with don november 4 kilo charlie don is an author he's written four books about amateur radio and gobs of books about all different subjects, NASCAR, uh, racing. He's, he's written about the world war two submarines, aircraft carriers. Uh, my kids are huge history buffs and I'm going to have to look at some more of your titles. Uh, we were just actually in Charleston, South Carolina back for my eldest son's birthday. And we went to the Yorktown, uh, the USS Yorktown. And then they had the destroyer there, the Laffrey, and, uh, they also had a submarine. So we did all the touring and we also got a backstage tour. Uh, thanks to my buddy, Eugene, who gave us the backstage tour of the U let's see, it's uh, whiskey alpha four USN, amateur radio club that has their shack in the front end of the Yorktown aircraft carrier. Totally cool. Right. It was well, awesome. Uh, my last, uh, my current actually fairly new, it's only been out about a month and a half book is about the uh, executive officer on the previous Yorktown to the one that's in the, the Charleston there, the Yorktown that was at the, the battle of the coral sea and, uh, midway was actually sunk at midway. And it's the story of Dixie Kiefer, who was the executive officer on that aircraft carrier. He was the last man off before she went down at the, the Battle of Midway. And he was also the captain of the USS Ticonderoga, which was hit by two kamikaze pilots in the China Sea. And uh, even though he was severely wounded, he stayed on the bridge for 12 hours overseeing their uh, firefighting and uh, he helped save the ship with some very brilliant moves. But that book is called The Indestructible Man. And it, it has just come out. And when you mentioned Yorktown, obviously I perked up because this was the Yorktown and the the one that's in Charleston was under construction when that Yorktown went down and they put the, the, the name on it mm -hmm. uh, in memory of uh, the men who lost their lives on that vessel. Wow. Well, I'll have to put that one on the buy now list <laughs> when we get off the call here. I won't argue with you. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's your job. Well, not the arguing exactly. part, the selling part. That's okay. So before we went to break, we were, you, you mentioned CW and how much you enjoy that. And it is when you got into your amateur radio hobby back 50 some odd years ago, 
Uh, was that something that I, I know it was required and you had to do it no matter what, was it easy for you then? Or was it yeah. something that it just kind of, you kind of built over time? No, it, 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 for some reason, it just came very easily to me. Um, the five words of minute for novice, I, I learned in about a week and was ready to take that test. 13 words a minute for a general I had within a month. And the 20 words per minute for extra was never a problem. Now, my dad, who I mentioned uh, a while ago, uh, who was the TV repairman and knew everything electronic there was, never could get past his technician because he never could get past five words a minute. Hmm. Uh, and back when it was required, he's a silent key now, but I, I was, even though I love CW, I'm a big advocate for people learning the code. I think it's great that you do because there are a lot of advantages in knowing that, uh, mode of operation. Uh, I thought it was great that the code requirement went away because a lot of people were forced to learn it. And just like anything that you're forced to learn, you end up not liking it, mm -hmm. not enjoying it. It was my contention, and I think I have been proved correct, that if you did not have to learn it, you would want to learn it once you got your license, and that uh, Morse code activity would actually go up on the air. And I think it has, and I think like uh, the number of CW logs and contests is up significantly now. Now, I know some of that are guys who are using code readers and, and that sort of thing, but there's still a lot of people that are learning the code and enjoying it as just another mode. When you talk to people about the code and, and learning and, and practicing, um, I know it's been a long time and it was easy for you, but when you're talking to folks nowadays, are, are there any good hints? Or uh, I know people use apps now and you said code readers, but to really learn it, um, I've had a man tell me that it was it's a rhythm thing, that you learn it with rhythm and musicians have an easier chance to learn it than someone who's never been a musician. So that was yeah, of course, kind of uh, neat to me. I'm not a musician, believe me. I couldn't even play a record in tune when I was in radio. But, yeah, they, I think whatever it takes to make it easier for you, and I think uh, in some cases uh, rhythm, having some rhythm or uh, not being tone deaf or whatever is an advantage in learning the code. But if you think about it, you only have to learn 26 letters, 10 numbers, and four or five pro signs. That's it. That's all you got to know. Uh, the Boy Scouts did not do us a favor because for years they taught Morse code as dots and dashes. And I still have trouble with dots and dashes. If somebody shows me a piece of paper with dots and dashes on it as Morse code, it takes me forever to translate that. But if somebody sends me da did it it, I know immediately it's B. I don't have to think about it. I know that's a B. Uh, when you get to that point, just as with any language, where you don't have to do that interpretation, you don't have to say, okay, that's a dash, dot, 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 that is a uh, da, did, did, it, that's a B. Well, too much time has passed, and you're already 10 letters down, and you're behind. <laughs> so the first thing is to learn by sound. Learn by sound, not dashes and dots. Da, did, did, it, da, did, dot, it, da, did, it. I can actually say the whole alphabet in Morse code in order. Uh, I'm Never been able to make a buck doing that, but I'll keep looking. Yeah. Uh, the second thing is learn the characters at a much faster speed than what you can copy with bigger gaps between each character until you're up to that point. If you hear dotted it, it, then you know that's a B, and it'll be much easier for you when you speed up if you're still hearing it at that same speed. Just have more pause between each character, but make sure each character is at a faster speed. Uh, speed. 
And the, the final big tip is to copy faster than you're able to copy. Okay. <laughs> that's just like working out with weights. You try to lift more weight than you can comfortably lift, and that's how you build muscles. Well, just the, the same way with code is if you're trying to copy something that's faster than you're really comfortable copying, you're, you will increase your speed much more quickly. Um, but the main thing is going in. Don't think, I can't learn this. Anybody can learn the code. That was my dad's problem. He had a, and he was a musician. He was a good <laughs> guitar player, but he had just made up his mind that the code was too hard to learn, and that was a self-fulfilling prophecy. Wow. Anybody can learn the code. It takes practice. You got to work at it a little bit. Some people have to work at it at more. Uh, I've got a chapter in uh, writing the short waves, exploring the magic of amateur radio, about the reasons to learn the code. Why should you fool with it? And then those tips, just like the ones I, I've just give, given you, are uh, in that article, that uh, chapter two. A lot of good reasons. You know, the band opens earlier and closes later on yeah. Morse code than it does on sideband, especially. Now, of course, with JT8, JT uh, whatever, <laughs> some of those digital <laughs> modes, the band is not even open and guys are making contacts, which is amazing to me. So if, let me, let me I've been asked this question and, and I don't have an answer. I'm going to ask you, you've been a ham for quite a while. If If a guy's at a crossroads or a lady is at a crossroads, and they have the time to dedicate to one or the other, and they're a general class licensee. In your opinion, would you encourage them to learn Morse code or to study and pass their extra exam? Mm, oh, that's a tough question. That's the same thing I've said. <laughs> that's where I'm at, trying to figure out which one to get, which way to go. Probably, I would say, if you really have an interest in Morse code because you want to do all the modes that you can do, then I would go ahead and learn Morse code. If, however, you want to get the highest license you can get and be able to operate anywhere in the HF spectrum where ham radio uh, folks are, are licensed to operate, then go get that extra class license. Of course, my real answer would be do both. <laughs> but, you know, I'm, a, I'm such a big believer in people should be able to do whatever they want to do. Whatever aspect of the hobby interests you is what you should do. I see so many guys who say, well, I hate contesting. There should not be any contest because it just messes up the band. Well, a lot of people enjoy that. Thousands of hams enjoy contesting. And 5-9 Alabama, that, that may not be much of a conversation, but if it's one more point and it's in a new section, you can double your score. Well, hey, that's, that's great. I enjoy contesting. Um, if... If it's strictly a technical thing, and that's another, that was probably number six on the list of things that keep people out, is they think it's such a technical hobby, and they don't know nothing about no electricity, so <laughs> they don't necessarily want to dive into that aspect of it. But that's fine. Learn enough to get a decent signal on the air, maybe enough to build a simple antenna. A ham radio ticket is a license to learn. It's a license to experiment. If you don't want to learn anything else, that's perfectly okay with me. Just give me a call when you hear me calling CQ, and you and I will have a great conversation. That's one of the things that, that I love about amateur radio, and I love about podcasting, uh, and, I, and I loved about radio, is the, the point where you're speaking and having a conversation with someone. They're listening and speaking back to you. Now, of course, on radio and on podcasting, you don't get a lot of that return voice back like you and I are con conversing now. But even to the point where an email, a text message, a tweet, a Facebook post, uh, I think that there's so much power in the communicated spoken word 
that that no matter how cool the phones get, no matter how great the VR becomes, no matter what kind of remote control cars or any of that, I don't think that you can replicate or replace the power of conversation. And I think that's one of the things that that uh, the guys are in amateur radio really dig about amateur radio is that uh, there's that conversation, whether you're actually speaking it or typing it or whatever, but you are conversing with another human being. Yeah, and, and that's, uh, I don't know if it's just me. Uh, I think it stands me in good stead as a writer in that I am interested in human beings. I love to find out what makes them tick, what interests them, what have they done that's interesting and exciting and different. Uh, I love to hear all that sort of thing and carry on a conversation, whether I ever get a chance to talk about all the wonderful things that I've done and know and whatever. <laughs> but I'm learning from somebody else. And that's what I was saying a few minutes ago about never having had a boring conversation because I've always talked with people who have something interesting to say, whether they realize it or not. Um, and now, again, that, that stands me in good stead as a writer because – you, you have to have characters, and that's why I did this latest book, Dial Dancing, as, as fiction. I wanted some characters in there that people could identify with and that would demonstrate real human beings enjoying aspects of, the, of a hobby that some people consider to be kind of uh, cold and non-communicative because you, you spend all your time soldering stuff together <laughs> and that kind of thing. Well, no, part of it is being able to talk and carry on a conversation. Even big contesters, they have conventions and they have meetings and you go to Dayton, you go to the DX dinner and all these guys are having a great time talking with each other when all they do on the air is say five, nine Alabama or <laughs> five, nine number, whatever. Uh, that is a method of communication. Yep. Let's face it. Yep. Yep. Hey, Don, I want to keep you one more segment. We've got to take a break, but we'll be right back guys. You're listening to ham radio 360 podcast. So I've got Kenwood rigs everywhere in my shack and my vehicles and my back pocket. I love them. There's, there's no denying that. There's not a secret, by the way. It's not that I don't appreciate everything else. I've got them all different brands here, but I really lean on the Kenwood brand. I'm kind of a redundant guy. Can you get that? And anyway, I enjoy, I enjoy their rigs. The other day I got an email from Ed and Ed's been on the program before. He's going to be coming on again. Actually, we're going to talk about some cool stuff, by the way. One of the things he kind of closed his email out with is uh, I sold something, but I kept my really cool, great HF Kenwood rig that Jeremy sold me and that's a point of uh, contention there between those two because Jeremy still regrets selling Ed the radio but he's really glad that it went to someone that who enjoys and loves it so listen if you want to enjoy and love your HF rigs they're not hard they're not complicated they're not menu driven it's not all that mess check them out Kenwood radios yeah I love them I use them if they're easy enough for me to use they're easy enough for you and you can find them all at mtcradio.com And we're back with Don. Is call again, November 4 Kilo Charlie. Don, we can find you at donkeith.com. Is that the best place to find you? There or n4kc.com. Hey, he's got them both. I need to get both. I don't think I have either. Wow. Well, you did. You, you better grab them quick. Yeah, guys, don't. They're mine. Leave them alone, please. Thank you. <laughs> hey, I'm going to go get them and sell them to you. Wait, yeah, right yeah there. there you go. So uh, I want to talk about your book one more time uh, before we get out of here. And then I've got something I want to bring up to you. Just a question. But uh, Dial Dancing is your latest book. You've written four books about amateur radio. Just almost 40 other, is it almost 40 other titles? 
34 total. Yeah, yeah, that's a lot more. That's 34 and a half more than I've written. And I've always wanted to write. I, the podcasting thing keeps getting in the way. Of course, I blame everything on podcasting nowadays as it's kind of become a monster unto us. It's the hobby of my hobby, I guess. But um, I'm really interested in your book and in the premise. Again, taking it and putting it in front of my kids, letting them see the reality of amateur radio. You know, there may be somebody that uh, someone works with that, always gives you a hard time about the antennas on your car or something like that or, or oh he can't come play softball with us because he's got a radio contest you know deep down inside those guys may really be curious about amateur radio how often do you yourself don stumble over someone who's interested in the hobby and you get to share with them as we've been talking about the magic all the time uh people see the the, the license plate on the truck or they see the antenna on top of the truck or anytime I speak, and I do a lot of speaking, especially to veterans groups and that sort of thing, I, I just casually mention uh, ham radio and amateur radio and what a great hobby and how it led to a career for me in broadcasting and that kind of thing. I, I managed to work that in. I'm an evangelist, can't you tell? <laughs> I love to evangelize about our hobby, and I don't bore people with it, I hope. If I don't see that spark or there's no interest, then I move right along. But yeah, I, I try to... To let people know, and that's what I was saying a few minutes ago, I, I think there are a lot of people out there who have a totally wrong impression of what amateur radio is like here in 2017. Um, and I, I don't want anybody out there to miss the message of, of what the hobby has to offer and how many different aspects there are to the hobby and how well it ties into other hobbies and how it is not somebody in a basement spitting and sparking and messing up the TV anymore. <laughs> Maybe you know, I don't know. Yeah, I maybe still got some of those. You know, I, I about um, we're we're almost to ninety episodes now, and about eighty five ago, I thought that we were getting close to covering it all. And it's, I mean, here we are talking to a gentleman who writes books about the hobby, and, and we've talked about tornadoes, and we've talked about hurricanes, and we've talked about digital radio over microwaves, and I mean, there's. I don't know if, if I, it's kind of like, can you find the end of the internet? I don't know that we can find the end of amateur radio because it, it's, it's so pervasive, even in our society. Absolutely. I mean, look, we've got a, uh, an ancient event about to happen here in a few weeks, the, the solar eclipse. Mm -hmm. Amateur radio is going to be involved in that. How many people know that? How many people know that we're going to be conducting propagation study when the, the eclipse happens and we're going to learn some things that nobody knew before? Yeah. Uh, so there's all, even the old stuff turn, comes around and is something new um, as the hobby continues to evolve. Well, speaking of evolving and speaking of something new, and it's not necessarily new, but there's just there's an influx of it, and uh, it just so happens that this week on the in our Facebook group, this conversation came up. We had a a, a guy named Josh come into the group and say, "Hey, uh, I'm a I'm a preparedness individual. I want to learn about ham radio, and I want to buy some stuff, and I, I want to know what to buy and what I what I'm trying to accomplish here." Uh, it seems to me that the whole preparedness movement has really kind of, uh, I don't know, it, it's been, it's kind of infused amateur radio with a lot of new operators. Now, and I'm going to say that, and I'm going to follow that with this. There's a lot of people that don't like that. I personally have no problem with it because if we can get more people into the hobby and see the magic and understand it and utilize it properly, well, then there's no problem. But have you, have you noticed 
the what, what I'm speaking of here, this influx of, of new blood, if you will, that, that comes into the hobby with the pretense of the, the solar eclipse is going to crash the world and the moon's going to fall into the sea and the power's going out kind of a thing. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, there, there is a certain element of our hobby that will never accept anybody new if they are not getting into the hobby to build stuff and put it on the air. Uh, a highly technical aspect of the hobby. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. The hobby is great for that because you can build your own radio and put it on the air and test it and experiment and try new circuits and all that sort of thing. But I'm like you. I think anything that gets anybody interested in the hobby, interested enough to go get a license and a radio to be able to get on the air, then they are fair game for us to evangelize and tell them all the various aspects of the hobby and what it, uh, what else there is out there. Now, some of them may not take the bait, and that's fine. They only want to get on. Same thing with emergency communications or storm spotting. We've got a, a, a couple of very active hams here who just happen to be the, the weathercasters on the, the local television stations. So they get a lot of people involved for storm spotting. That's all they want to do is spot tornadoes or, or spot uh, re- report uh, trees down or heavy rain here on our side of town or whatever. But that's fine. Some of those are it, – it's actually going to – they're going to get infected with this germ that you and I are infected with, and they're going to get deeper into the hobby. And I just want to make sure they realize that there's a lot more to it than uh, just spotting storms or just uh, being prepared in case the infrastructure goes down or whatever. Yeah, and and one of those ways to do that is once we hear or see that that person is involved in communications is to not kick them out the door, is to say, let me help you. It's not just a list that I can give you for Amazon and you buy the stuff and put it in a duffel bag and put it in your closet. Uh, If you're going to plan to use it in an emergency, you need to know how to use it on an everyday basis. So let's get you into the door. Let's help you understand it's more than just buying things and see if we can't help move you forward. Yeah. And that's it. Uh, just, just make sure they're aware of everything that the hobby has to offer and that they know how to move into other aspects of the hobby. If they get that opportunity, um, it's not for everybody and not all aspects of the hobby are for everybody, but let's make sure they know what they are and that they can, uh, Move on if they want to. Uh, yeah, I've told many people that uh, amateur radio may not be for you because, <laughs> I mean, there are just some people it, it's not for. Just like I'm not – I don't play golf. I played one game of golf, par three, in my 43 years, and I knew before that that I was not a golf guy, and I've known since then I'm not a golf guy, so I don't go play golf. Uh, my brother is not an amateur radio type. He, he, he just is not. You give him 11-meter radio, he's very happy. But don't ask him to get on two meters. So it's not for everybody. But for those who have the interest, I just I just hope folks are hearing us both say, bring them in. Let's help them understand the realities of it and show them that there's more to it than chasing storms, prepping for the end of the world, or everything in between. Right. I don't care what brings them in, even if it's a totally mistaken impression of the hobby. Citizens Band Radio, a lot of people say, I don't want those CBers on my ham radio. I think that, that <laughs> conti- not, not, not as much as it was at one time, uh, it's not that much of a conduit into the hobby, but it still is a conduit into the hobby for a lot of people. And I think that's fantastic. I've got a lot of great ham friends who started out on 11 meters. Hey, I still have my 11 meter radio. In a KAXP 2179, I still remember my call sign. <laughs> I actually used it. 
Yeah, yeah, it'll it'll uh, it'll take you back, you know. So it's uh, what to me it's it's if it's a twenty nine dollar walkie talkie on Amazon, or if it's a guy who's who's had an eleven meter rig and, and wants to to take that next step, just just come on. That's what this show is for. That's what Don's writing books for. There's thousands of blogs, guys on YouTube. You know, not everybody is going to get along, and not everybody's going to see things the same way. But, Don, I feel like that you and I both have the same mission here, and that is to share with people the magic of ham radio, the reality of ham radio, and how we can grow and continue moving this hobby forward. You know what? You may not believe this, but there's actually an element in our hobby that does not want to see it grow. Because they think the bands will become too crowded or there'll be too much riffraff on the bands and it'll evolve into what 11 meters may have been at one time. I don't understand that mindset at all. Bring them on. The more the merrier. Plus, as I mentioned, I love to learn about people. And the more people they're on, uh, the better it is for all of us. Plus, these people are bringing new ideas into the hobby. Uh, The National Parks on the Air is some of the most fun I've had in radio. And it so many people got involved in ham radio during the, uh, that year last year because they were able to go out to parks and operate as a family. Kids were getting licenses so they could operate from, from national parks. Uh, things like that are what make the hobby so vibrant and so exciting to me and, and to a lot of newcomers, too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Don, tell us one more time how we can find you online and, and pick up your books. Yep, uh, the website is uh, donkeith.com or n4kc.com. And if you're interested in World War II, NASCAR racing, college football, um, history, uh, I've written several technical thrillers, uh, Tom Clancy-type books. One of those is due to be a major motion picture starring Gerard Butler and Common and Gary Oldman that uh, hopefully will be out this year, if not early next year. Wow, what's the, t- um, what's the title there so I can go read that one too? The book is called Firing Point. The movie will be under the title Hunter Killer. Huh. It's about a submarine. We we save the Russian president. Huh. Putin. Putin. Not Putin. We we had to make we 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 made up a fictional president because we figured Putin would come get us. But yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll leave we'll leave them to to, to do whatever they're doing. Don, thank you. That's, that's, that's the beauty of fiction. Thank you so much yeah. for having me, Kale. I really enjoyed it. Well, man, it's, it's, this, this time has gone really fast, as it usually does when the conversation is really fun. And, and who knew? that uh, two old radio boys could sit around and talk for an hour or so. So Yeah, because usually I can only talk for the first eight seconds of a record until a vocal starts, you know. <laughs> Got to hit the post. Got to hit the post every time. Yes, sir. Thanks again, Don. We will have uh, your books and links that we've discussed here in our show notes. Guys, don't remember. we ha- don't, don't remember. Don't forget, we have a great website, hamradio360.com. Every episode we release under the umbrella has a page that's related to the content. So if we went too fast through something maybe you want to go back and check it it's there for every episode starting from number one hamradio360.com and again if you're interested in don's books we'll have the links there until then you can check them out donkeith.com or november4kilocharlie.com don again thank you so much thanks for having me let's do it again in fact let's do it again next week (laughs) that sounds like something you'd say on the radio exactly 
Don, again, thank you. Loved having you here. Loved to have you back anytime. And uh, guys, don't forget, hamradio360.com, the links, everything we talked about in the show, including links to Don's books and whatnot, they're all there. Now, before I go, I want to say a big special thank you to Grant Porter and the Godfather of Soul, James Brown, who came on this weekend as supporters of the hamradio360.com, Kel Nelson, K4CDN thing, where I'm producing these programs and getting them out here on the air. If, uh, if it's important to you, if you like what I'm doing and you would like to give financially to that, there's a link there at the bottom of the show notes. You can click that uh, as little as a dollar a month. It's all there. I'm not going to beat you up with it, but thank you both for coming on and, and joining up with me here. If you have questions, you can message me if you're interested in the show notes as well. Hey, I have, I have a lot of fun doing this, by the way, and uh, the wind's picking up here. If you hear it, I'm sorry. Maybe a storm's coming. We've been really dry here of late in the upstate South Carolina, so I'm looking forward to some rain. Hope you guys have a fantastic week. Don't forget, on Thursday, John will be back with the next episode of Field Radio Podcast, as well as a week from today, George and Jeremy are back in town, and they're back together with the new podcast from Workbench. Yeah, so it's it's all there. We're doing a lot. Hope you guys are enjoying every bit of it. We love hearing from you. We love the emails, the notes, the texts, the tweets. We get them all, and we just sincerely appreciate all of what you're doing to be a part of what we're doing here on Ham Radio 360. I'm going to run now. God bless you guys. Thank you so much again for listening. We'll see you at 73, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Ham Radio 360 podcast. Brought to you by Main Trading Company, Paris, Texas, and by Elecraft.com, hands-on ham radio. To learn more about the show, visit our website, hamradio360.com. 73s, y'all.